Welcome to the Warner Brothers Podcast. This is Keenan, joined by, as always, my brother Kyle. Kyle, how are you? Good. You sounded like a robot when you said that. Like you're reading off like a, a teleprompter or some shit. But there's no I'm teleprompter. Great. Just looking at Leon Bridges right now is a Gold Digger soundtrack album. <laughs> Interesting. All right. All right. Uh, no, everything's good. Uh, it feels like it feels like I just had a vacation or something. Feel, you know, it's been like two and a half, three weeks since we've last talked, or at least like on the pod. So I don't know. It feels like we had like an extended break from it. So I'm ready to go. Oh, same here. It feels like this has been our job and we just needed a couple weeks off. I know, I think you went to Connecticut or something at some point. I was I've... supposed to and I didn't, but I mean, the last few weeks, they've just been busy. For been sure. busy. I mean, it's been a hectic week this past week, but I mean, everything is good. Summer's going way too fast. It's been a beautiful summer, though. Um, definitely got some plans to wrap up summer yeah. that I'm looking forward to, but yeah, no, it's only, like I said, it's only been two and a half, three weeks, and it feels like longer than that. And it really uh, we, does. we I've plan been on to get back for sure. And we plan on getting in here earlier, but you know, scheduling things like that happen. So, but you know, our original plan will be coming to fruition soon, which I like. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, part two to our uh, Drake album. Right, that was part one of the series. Part two is coming up, so I'm I'm heavily looking forward to it. Definitely, that this one, as Kyle and I were talking about before, this one has been tougher to put together. Even though I might be more of a fan of Drake than, but like it's been a little bit tougher to put this one together. And I know it's been the same way for you. So I'm so excited to get into this one. I, I have I have some takes. I have I'm everything. I'm ready for this one. Yeah, it's been. It's been my favorite creative thing to do lately. Like, I'm, we've already got a list of some artists we want to do, like a short list. So mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to not only part two, but, you know, parts three through ten when that happens. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely looking forward to it. But uh, the only artist I can assume that would be harder for me would be Kendrick. Because, man, oh, man, me and Kendrick Lamar, that'd be so difficult. But Which I gotta say, I've been listening to his album all summer, here and there, like on playlists. Like I haven't gone back to it like in full, but yeah. like obviously his album keeps popping up, and uh, you know it's a great album. It's for sure a great album, for sure probably a top five project of the year, yes. undoubtedly. But I'm still not sure where I put it in disco in his discography. I think it's so weird. Like the more I listen to it, especially scattered, like on shuffle. It, I don't know how to explain it, but like it gives me the same vibe as Damn. Not necessarily the same sound, but the same kind of vibe on the way he's rap. I don't know how to explain it, but they're would, two similar albums to me. Even I though originally it. I would have said, "Do you?" I do get it because um, if you when you I listen think, to the thing, time out, time out, real quick. All I want to say, besides like the real like Kendrick, like I want to say preachy, but like. You know, the theatric Kendrick songs, I think it sounds more current than his first two studio albums, his like feature albums, I guess you'd say, and Section 82. But like, Damn definitely sounds like a 2017 or 2016, whatever year it came out. 2016, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, Damn came 2017, April 14th. Word. Yeah. So it sounds like a 2017 album. This album sounds like it's 2022. You know what I mean? It sounds real. Yeah, it's like, and like N95, even like a Rich Spirit with 
uh, Kodak, even like the songs, like the instrumentation and everything, the instrumental sound like it's, it's Kendrick, but it's current. It's Kendrick, but it's current. Like To Pimp a Butterfly didn't sound like 2015 music. Like you could have listened to To Pimp a Butterfly like in the 90s and you would have been like, oh, I understand the sound of it just because it had that real jazzy sound to it. So yeah. that make, that well, made say, sense. Yeah, it's kind of like a standalone album, kind of like my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy for Kanye. There's no other album besides maybe Watch the Throne that sounds like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's even closer. That's, you know, half his album, obviously. So, um, yeah, like like you said, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly, real standalone sound. Um, and I guess good kid mad city that's kind of current for the year it was but not like specific you know what i mean it didn't have specific sounds whereas 2017 was real kind of trap ish you know like upbeat trap and and this one's kind of upbeat and more so beats you would hear newer artists on kind of thing so i'm definitely still fucking with it uh i, I actually gotta kind of update my list of my favorite projects and songs of 2022 so far I should go through that because I mean we're way past the half halfway point now. Yes, uh, getting towards the three quarters point. So I definitely got to get that list together for the end of the year, which is creeping up on us. Like it's already August, which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Um, so for me, I did my favorite album as of right now for the year is either uh, Kendrick's album or Joey Badass's new album to uh, two thousand. That has been that came out on the twenty second, and that has been in my playlist heavily. It gets back to his. If you're a fan of his, his back to his nineteen ninety nine mixtape, the one that really put him on. That sound, it kind of gets back to that, but it's the new version. It's like the mature version of that, and I I really like it, a lot. I've heard it's a dope album. I downloaded it. I've not listened to it yet. I'm gonna peep it. It wor- um, it's worth it's definitely worth the listen. Those two albums that you named are very on brand for you. <laughs> so but that's 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 cool though. I'm I'm excited to see the re- the other eight in what order they come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, no, let's get let's get a start. Let's uh let's get going here. It's kinda late. We, I think we both got work in the AM. So, yes. so let's uh, uh let's get started. So first things first want to say rest in peace to Bill Russell, NBA legend. It, Absolutely. He, uh, I think, 88 years old. Obviously, 11 rings is the thing that you know the most about him. But he, for people who don't really know Bill Russell, there are grainy fo- videos. But go look at some of the highlights that he does have because he could have been an athlete today. And he would have been, he would have flourished as an athlete today. Like he's not one of the older players that you look at and you're like, oh well, he was just good because it was then. He put up 26 rebounds because of the time that he was in. But he would be such a great. I mean, he did a finger roll layup from the free throw line, like ease with ease. Like it was just he did it just because that was what he felt like doing in that moment in time, wearing Chuck Taylor. So. Like, he was a real, actual basketball player that was really, really good. He wasn't actually just a guy who flourished because of the fact that he was in a time period where things weren't as... weren't Things weren't as basketball-driven as they are today. Yeah, it was very sad news to uh, 
you know, to a Sunday afternoon. Yes. Sunday morning. It was very sad. You know, uh, Bill Russell, he's so, you know, me being a Celtics fan, obviously, he's Mr. Celtic. Okay. You know, I would say two people, two players, ubiquitous with the Celtics franchise that, you know, could even compete with that title is Bird and, and Bill Russell. Uh, you know, forgive me, I could be wrong about that, obviously. Like, I'm a novice or not a novice, but I'm a younger fan, right? But, you know, to me, Bill Russell is Mr. Celtic. I mean, 11 rings. Uh, player you know, coach. One, player coach. One of the first superstars of the league, obviously, and just, like, a, like he's the definition of a pioneer, right? Yes. Like, he, he's that first era of the league after George Mike, and when it really became, like, the NBA, we, or the foundation for the NBA we know now, I guess, Uh especially after integration of the league. I mean, his story is just really fascinating. I it mean, is. obviously, like Keenan said, like he's he's a player from the 60s, so not much relates. And there are certain players, I agree with Keenan, there's certain players from the 60s and 70s and even the 80s, 80s more modern basketball, but especially the 60s and 70s, no, not your average player could probably play in the NBA now. But the stars like Bill Russell, like Will Chamberlain. Elgin Baylor is another one who was a freak athlete. Jerry West, as you just said. Yeah. You take them and you put give them modern everything that these guys have, they're still in the league. Whether they're an all-star, you know, they're in the league, right? Um, Especially someone like Will and Russell. And uh, not to get in the debate, because that's one of the – that's probably the original NBA debate is Russell versus Will. And one's got 11 rings, and one has only two. And, you know, Will has almost every NBA record in the book, it seems like, right? Like, more than Jordan, more than LeBron, more than Magic, more than anybody. Like, Will Chamberlain has so many records that will never be broken. Yet, he doesn't even have half of Bill Russell's rings. And you would say maybe that Russell had more Hall of Famers. Well, there was only 11 teams, Will had some Hall of Famers, too, you know what I mean? And he, I mean, this guy scored 100 in the game. And when he went up against Bill Russell, it wasn't a 100-point game, Will, you understand? So there's something to that. And I think what fascinates me the most, like I, what I've read about Bill Russell or that I've, I've seen in you know documentary or, or, or TV specials about him is, and it's what I like most in players, is how much he cared. Like, he worked himself up to the point where he got sick before games because he wanted to win so bad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just completely focused on defense and, and rebounding and starting fast breaks with either the outlet or a block. Um, and was, you know, the definition of an unselfish player. Yes. Um, to give you a little bit of a comparison, I remember... The one season Anthony Davis had at University of Kentucky in the championship game, he had like a horrible shooting game. Like he was by far the best player in college basketball his freshman year, led them to that championship. And he was having a bad shooting game. And he said, hey, Feld is like, don't worry about anything on the offensive end or don't worry about anything on the defensive end. I'm going to play defense and I'm going to get rebounds. And I remember them comparing him to Bill Russell because, you know, that's a pretty wise thing to say at, well, Anthony Davis was probably 18, 19 then. Yeah. And that's what Bill Russell was his whole career. Uh, he embodied a leader on and off the court. The stuff he endured off the court is insane. He won at every level, whether it was high school, the Olympics, college, the NBA. 
as a coach. He won wherever. Um, rest in peace, Bill Russell. I lost the NBA community and the Celtics family. But, I mean... Mr. Game him, 7. Mr. Game 7. And him, like, what I enjoyed most about him is, like you said, he was 88. Uh, every time they, like, would show him at an NBA event, he was always, like, laughing. Like, I can picture his laugh right now. Like, Same. You don't you don't really have that from NBA current NBA players, let alone an NBA legend. Where like most people that I saw that were posting about him were like talking about his laugh because it was just like infectious and unique. But like he clearly still loved the game. He would randomly flip off people, specifically Charles Barkley. Like hilarious. That's hilarious by itself. Like flipping off the camera. That's my shit. That's like my move. So I especially respect that. Um, and he would just, like, always be at the All-Star game, all that. Would be courtside and love the game today just as much as he loved it when he played. So I think that's dope. Yeah. Uh, a loss for for the world because what a human being he was. But, you know, he lived a full life for sure. So rest in peace, Bill Russell. The last thing I want to say before we move on is I'm just, I've been going through just some of his box his box scores just because obviously you can't get a full feel for him, but you get to see a little bit of it. Like you see multiple in the playoffs. You see some 30, 30 games. That's crazy. He was and this one. I just wanted to mention down three, two to the Lakers in 62. He comes out in game six on the road, puts up a 19, 24 in 10 game. And then in game seven at home in overtime plays all 53 minutes, puts up a 30 and 40. And win to win. In a game seven? <laughs> in a game seven, he put up 30 and 40 in 53 minutes, went 8 of 18 from the floor, 14 to 17 from the free throw line. And they didn't and, and they didn't obviously put up blocks then. So like he obviously had at least a half dozen blocks because he was doing that whenever he wanted to. So it's crazy. That's insane. I've never even heard that like in the greatest game seven discussions. And I feel I, like Regardless of error, that should be kind of number one, I guess. Thirty points, forty rebounds in fifty-three minutes. Like, you, like <laughs> that's a, that's a stupid game seven, and I've never heard of that before. I was going through, and I was like, "Wait a second, why have I never heard of a thirty-forty game in a game seven before?" Wanted every rebound, I guess. God damn! Oh my goodness, right, that's the last Russell thing I wanted to say on him. Absolutely. Uh, Go read a book on him, a TV special, podcast, whatever. There's enough Bill Russell content out there. Yes. And, uh, yes, even though he was a player of the way yesteryear, go look him up. Go get some information on him because it's worth a listen. And I think you'll appreciate it, especially if you're a basketball fan. Uh, again, the embodiment of a leader when it comes to any sport. Like, there's no champion close to him in any sport. So, again, rest in peace. And, uh, yeah, let's move on to the next topic. Yes, yes. So I was just randomly, because I do this when I'm at work, I was randomly thinking of just some, like, comparison things, because I know we were talking about, like, the would you rather when it was, like, Eli Manning or Dan Marino. I was, Which I've thought about more, and I really like it, because even though I can't remember what I said on either of them, I don't think I said Eli, uh, I'm definitely primarily of the stance of pick the winner. If it's close. Yeah, it's hard. That one that one's like one of the toughest ones because Eli Eli, because of those two Super Bowls, might get into the Hall of Fame, even though if you ask me, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer at all. But uh he, Yeah, he, he what keep going. Uh, yeah, I, 
that on it. Yeah, and I was gonna say literally because of those two. Because without those two, even like his stats, like they're okay at best. But um, yeah, I don't think he fits in. But I see. I don't think. But like that gives him a chance to. But like Dan Marino is like clear cut Hall of Famer. Obviously, he's already in the Hall of Fame. But he was a, when he retired the day he did. It was like yeah, Dan Marino. Dan Marino is a Hall of Famer. So that before, one, you on, before you go on, before you go on, I just want to say the original argument of this of like stats versus wins. The original argument. There's probably more. Actually. The original one's probably Russell versus Will, like I just said. Mm-hmm. But the the modern football day one, like the one that first sticks out to me, is Tom Brady's first half of his career versus Peyton Manning. Yeah, or 06, Peyton Manning. up to 06. Because Basically, 06 was when the Colts won their first one. That was Manning. Brady was a top five quarterback in the league. Had like usually 28 touchdowns, 14 picks, which at that time was pretty solid, was pretty regular for like the top flight quarterbacks. Manning, Manning was putting up crazy stats. Manning was just getting then, whatever he wanted to do. But then in the playoffs, they would face and May- Brady would get the best of Manning. And it wasn't just that. It wasn't that Manning was playing amazing and Brady wasn't playing well at all. Brady actually Brady was making plays. It wasn't that he was just only getting carried. Brady was making plays. And then in Super Bowls, being the MVP and being the best player on the field. So then it was like, <laughs> Who do you take? And then Manning won one, so then people could lean more to Manning. And then that next year, Brady was like, "Well, let me go get fifty touchdowns." Then, <laughs> so and yeah. then and then I mean, you just saw a, that evolution of Tom Brady really become who he is today. It was a true debate up until probably the Falcons Super Bowl for the Patriots, but up until then, it was a true debate, and it looked like Brady was going to live or win via longevity, right? Mm-hmm. Like he won that argument, but you can still argue. Peyton or Brady, and then you know Brady obviously you know goes on to win what three or four more Super Bowls. So you know Brady's career is obviously crazy, but yeah, Manning that first that first half especially. There's this like misnomer that he had no defense. He didn't have the Patriots defense. Like he didn't have the best defensive coach of all time. Like the Patriots had Robert Mathis. But yeah, but he had he had defensive players like. The offense was definitely favored. Like, that's what they tried to build around because it was Peyton Manning. So he had everything he wanted on offense, running back, receivers, tight end. Their offense was line, easily everything. best. In, like, they had the had one of the best offensive lines in the league, Dallas Clark at tight end, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Edger and James in the backfield. What else could you ask for? Brandon Stokely. Like they Brandon had a slot Stokely is a slot. Yep. What else could they you ask every- for? That's like and then, so, yeah, naturally your defense isn't going to be as good, but they had talent, right? So he had everything. Yeah, maybe the Bra- maybe the Patriots were more well-rounded. That's because that's how Belichick is as a coach. Like, And they had some – don't get it twisted. The Patriots, there's times where it seems like they're not as talented, but then you go over the roster and, and like, they got oh, talent everywhere. It's, oh, just, it's Richard Seymour. It's William McGinnis. It's – Teddy Bruschi, it's Lawyer Malloy, it's Rodney Harrison, it's yeah, oh, those, that's those defenses were uh, oh, lower. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like oh, oh, they were just they were just at least eighty five pluses on Madden everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they had yeah, they were loaded on defense. Whereas their offense wasn't as talented, but it was well rounded nonetheless. Like there was, it's kind of like the, the reverse of the Colts, really. Yeah, well, their had, offense had was, talent mm-hmm. had had positive talent, had Pro Bowl talent, but not explosive talent, maybe, or explosive numbers. But 
Yeah, they were the flip. I'll let you keep going, though, because I interrupted whatever you were going to say. No, I was just basically saying, yeah, no, I completely agree. that It was just the opposite. It was, all right, so we got Troy Brown, solid. You got Dion Branch, solid. You had... Uh, I meant your original topic before oh, I said... Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was just going on with that. But, yeah, the last <laughs> thing I'm going to say quickly on that is when the Colts go from 03 to 07, 08... 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 14 and 2, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 12 and 4, 14 and 2. I can't say that they, I can't say that that team was really like at a disadvantage. Yeah, not at all. Like, I mean, they, they, in the big game, obviously, we made, they made plays, but you can't win 12 games at a minimum for a seven year stretch and try to convince me that your team wasn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. And the Hall of Fame coach. With the Hall of Fame coach and quarterback. Um, but yeah. Yeah. See, now you're gonna make me add to it because <laughs> very last, very last thing I'm gonna say is, you know, it seems like hey, a lot of times when people pick, like Peyton, and I love Kim when you bring up Austin because like he picks someone like Marino or something like that over Brady, but it's like at some point, like specifically Peyton. There was times he just straight up did not play well in the playoffs, even with the Broncos. He just not didn't show up, but like. Oh, you're the man. You're gonna throw a pick there. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't like he was a choker, but it was, you know. Sometimes you're like, okay, you're supposed to be Peyton Manning, and you didn't do the Peyton Manning thing. Whereas Brady, when he didn't have the stats, and we probably said some shit like this a million times, but he just, like you said, made the plays. And people are probably sick of us talking about I, Patriots Tom Brady. So I'm gonna let you move on because I'll end up we'll end up going off for again, two more hours or some really, shit like. Don't really care. It's. We're Patriots fans, and the greatest, uh, maybe the greatest athlete ever in team sports was on our team. So, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> after, after we just said that about Bill Russell, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna yeah, and from Boston too. So shout out Boston. Anyways, so I'll, I'll that work. And I was thinking on the would you rather things. I was just going through some NBA duos, and okay. I was in big threes, and I was just trying to compare like which ones. I thought were better. So I wrote down like a couple of them and I want to see what your opinion is on them. I'm very interested for this one, Hindi. So I was like, um, I, I put years next to them just so it, cause hard, cause you don't want to judge the totality cause some of them played longer than others. Like Mike and Pippen played much longer than Kobe and Shaq. Um, so the first one I'm going to give you was, would you take the 07 duo of our trio of Duncan Parker and Manu or the 08 trio of KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen? Is that a trick question? (laughs) (laughs) I'm obviously going to pick the Celtics big three. Uh, And if we're talking the Spurs, I prefer... It's weird. I kind of prefer the later version of them, even though you'd probably take... I took the 07 one because they obviously... They won the... They swept the Cavs in the championship that year. And you... And that's when... And Duncan was at his peak, peak then. I would say Duncan was at his peak in like 03, 04 when he was winning back to back MVPs. Okay. I was probably. I, I mean, sorry, the, his at his peak, peak within the duo being at there. I think that would be the best iteration been, of that. That'd been the trios. I was the trio that iteration. Maybe, yeah, because Ginobili, Ginobili's in his prime there. Uh, Timmy's at like a weird part of his career. That was probably like his last like elite, elite. Uh, peak now nah, he's got some moments in 08 and 09 because he hits that shot against the Suns in 09 like everything was still run around Timmy 
but he had a weird stretch like throughout my high school years where I was like, oh, Tim's kind of washed. And then the it's, early 2010s comes because that's probably, I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it was from, it's it was not, like 09 to 2011 and then 12 came and he kind of had that last spurt because I'm looking at it. It was, it went from 18 points to then 13 to then 15 and it was like, oh, he's kind of washed. But then he got to 18 and 10 again. And it was like, oh, okay. And then you saw him against the Heat in the finals in 2013, and then obviously his last long song in 2014. So I'll say this. You're giving me 07 Tim Duncan, which is prime Tim Duncan. So you're getting a really good, uh, a top-tier two-way player right there. Because one thing they don't talk about when they talk about Tim Duncan is his interior defense is as good as anybody's really like when it comes to the they call him the big fundamental it's that way on defense too like amazing defensively he's a seven footer i guess he's listed at 611 but he seems like a true seven feet he's a true seven uh, he he uses his length like he's a lot okay he's a lot like bill russell he's a lot like bill russell like i compare his game to kareem i think they kind of they're similar in their games being mid-range and post players who are incredible on defense but just as an unselfish player and like the leader, he feels like, like the modern day Bill Russell. That's what he feels like. Yeah, he's very. He's probably as unselfish. For unselfish stars, it probably goes Russell, then Timmy, then Steph. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let me look. Let me just look at 07 Tim Duncan stats real quick. I'm looking 20 at and, uh, 19, twenty and eleven. So yeah. he's starting to decline. Oh no, his rebounds go back up. And okay, twenty two and eleven. Yeah, no, like he's. I was gonna say he's not. I was Three blocks. Okay, yeah, he's still there. He's I was still gonna say Tim he's Duncan. not nineteen ninety nine to oh three Tim Duncan when he won uh, two MVPs in that stretch and was pretty much twenty three and twelve to thirteen. He still kind of is because the next year in the postseason he's at twenty and fourteen and a half rebounds. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but I was gonna say he's still that. But he's still so he's that still, guy. So, you, so you're giving me prime Tim Duncan. Ginobili who's in his prime. Like Ginobili's still slashing Ginobili then. Yeah. Ginobili's nasty. And then you're giving me a pretty good Tony Parker, right? Yes. Like Tony Parker's at the most an all-star level player here. So like when people I said this a couple episodes ago, but when people are talking about like oh super teams, Tim Duncan and Tony Parker, Tony Parker's gonna be a Hall of Famer, but Tony Parker is an all-star level player with a Hall of Fame career. Okay. Yes. Tim Duncan's a Hall of Fame player with a with a career to back it up. All right, so then you give me man who's better than t- Tony Parker. Absolutely, like, like just like, yeah. like I mean, obviously, I'm just saying because like obviously Parker started, and man who's obviously known for coming off the bench. Like man who is better than Tony Parker. Man who is yeah. a more surefire Hall of Famer than Tony Parker. Yeah, I agree with that. Peak for peak, like if you put Ginobili, if you put Prime Ginobili in the system that Prime Tony Parker was getting, like in those second half, second championship runs. For the Spurs, uh, they're probably better because, yeah, Ginobili was lethal in the pick and roll. Anyway, Celtics, you're giving me prime KG. Not PKG, but prime KG still. He still got his athleticism. Yeah, it's not 04 uh, KG, but it is pretty close. Give me prime Paul Pierce. Not athleticism, but the scoring's still there. Shooting's still there. And Ray, who's still in his prime, but he's taken a significant step back. I'm going to take this time to... Get this off my chest. I hate when people say this started the super team era because, yeah, kind of did, I guess, if you want to say it like that. But it's not like they conspired. It started a. the big three era, if you want to call it. And even that shit is overrated because, like, this is one of the only – this and the Spurs, I'll call them the big three because it is three Hall of Famers. 
And at this time, it was three stars, not three superstars, but three stars. KG being the only real superstar out of the group. Yeah. But they sacrificed a lot. It wasn't like like that first year with uh, LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. And maybe they're on your list, so maybe I can save that for them. But, you know, it's <laughs> Bron still putting up what Brown would put up, maybe a little less scoring. Dwayne Wade's Bosch, numbers didn't dip. Bosch, Bosch the only one that really gave up. Bosch so. was the one that did because Wade that first year was still 25 a game. Like Whereas Kate, yeah, exactly. Wade's still Dwayne Wade. Whereas KG, he gives up a lot on offense. He becomes a complimentary player. Ray Allen, defensive player of the year. And defensive player of the year. Like He focuses on defense. Uh, Paul Pierce is your end of game score. And, you know, Rayon's doing the shooting and secondary scoring. You know what I mean? So, you know, the Knights, Paul Pierce maybe slacks. Rayon's probably getting the 28-point game. Like, it was – he still had enough in the tank to where he could get you those 35-point games, 40-point games even if need be, shoot the lights out. But his game's predicated on shooting like the way you'd see Clay Thompson on the Warriors. Yeah, Whereas, definitely. I'll give you this. Rayon, before the Celtics, has a role like Devin Booker, what you see today. And on the Celtics, he turns into a Clay Thompson. That's – so that's kind of how it went. Yeah, I was gonna uh, say, um, just to just to even heighten your point, the year before he joined the Celtics with the Sonics, he put up twenty six a game on forty four percent shooting, like so, in playing forty minutes a game. So Ray Allen came off a of twenty six points a game, and then the next year with the Celtics, first year averaged seventeen. Paul Pierce went from nineteen point six to twenty point five. So he Paul Pierce was literally the same guy throughout. And then Casey. thing is with that that 07 season, he either was injured or they're heavily tanking because his 06 season, I think he averaged like either 26 or 28. He, like, he averaged 25 in Paul Pierce. Yeah, that was one of that was one of his best seasons. So yeah. I was gonna say he did, but like he was 07 was a down year for him. Yes, but I was gonna say you could tell. So he definitely he declined a little. He took back a little bit, but still was still Paul Pierce pretty much. And then KG went from a 22 and 13 guy to a 19 and 9 guy. But that 19 and 9 guy did win defensive player of the year. So like Absolutely. So I would I'm, say this. I'm taking personally, I'm going to take the Spurs by an edge. I, you have 19 You have you have a 19 and a half. You have about 19 and a half from Manu you have Tony Parker. You have him at about 19 a game, too, with six assists. I think I'm taking that Tim Duncan over that KG. Little, uh, That's personally me. Um, So I'm taking that Tim Duncan over that KG. I would take... I think that Ray Allen I would take over Tony Parker, and I would have Manu and Paul Pierce almost as a wash. So I would, so I think that it it really is kind of a pick 'em, and I'm leaning towards the Spurs. I just I feel, right. I just feel I don't know I just feel I trust I guess when it comes down to it it would come down to I trust Tim Duncan a little more than KG. Not that both of them aren't to be trusted. That's an interesting way of comparing because I mean to me it's no contest really. Because uh, again, Tony Parker's an All Star level player. All three of these guys. Pierce, Ray Allen, and KG. At some level, those are three franchise players. Mm-hmm. And the okay. Spurs have two. I think Manu could have been a franchise player on in the right system. Could have been, but he was a six man. So but I, but I think he was hard. And I'm a, I'm say, a I don't think Manu he fan. could have been a Manu. I don't think Manu Ray Allen would be any better of a franchise guy than Manu. 
Like I think if you put Manu on those Sonics teams, I think he could have put up about twenty four and nine. Would have been a little different than the twenty six and four Ray put up. He might have, but Manu that version of Manu thrives more in the twenty tens, right? Like he's a slasher. He was a lot like Dwayne Wade, right? Yeah, I think but I I think he could have been semi like Harden. I don't mean I like his game would have been like Harden. I mean like how Harden made that switch from being that Manu six man to then taking the step and being a franchise guy. I think Manu could have done that, but I think his role was so perfect on the Spurs that he just and they were winning every other year, so that he I would, stayed there. I would say this. I'm a, and by the way, I'm a huge Manu Ginobili fan. Like a huge Manu Ginobili fan. Love Manu Ginobili. All right, mm-hmm. but. I will say this because I'm a little older than you. I was have a memory, have a little more memory of early Ginobili. Right? There was no discussion of is this guy. I mean, I can't say no, but there wasn't much discussion of is this guy a franchise guy kind of thing. And I agree. I think he would have been an exciting All Star level player. Ray Allen, though, he took the Bucks to the conference finals, got them to a game seven and a, a series. A lot of people think. The refs, the refs shafted them, which in the year that the Sixers and Allen Iverson made that the was final. our one, so, yeah. So Rayon gets them there. That's early on in his career, right? Mm-hmm. Rayon keeps the stats going for any All Star, one of the greatest shooters of all time. It's really no contest with him and Ginobili, player for player. Like Rayon was that dude. Jesus Shuttlesworth too. Like he's a lead in the movie. Like you, you know. And Ginobili's a legend. In Argentina, and I like his game more than Ray Allen, probably as far as like his passing goes. I love. I think Manu Loki is one of the best pure passengers in basketball of all time. Unselfish, completely. Like I agree with you. I mean, also he did smack a bat out of the air. So he did smack a bat. I mean, that's one of his. Oh my god, you start. That's that's like top three plays of all time for Manu. Like I don't know any other NBA player who could have done that. Like or would have even tried. But Ray Allen. Ray Allen was like he was a high draft pick. He might have even dra- been drafted ahead of Kobe and lived up to it the whole way. Pierce, he was supposed to be a lottery pick, was a lottery pick. He fell in the draft to the Celtics. Uh, <laughs> one of the greatest one-on-one scorers of all time. He can do it inside, mid-range, three-pointer. Uh, and him and two-way, if we're talking two-way player, it's no contest between him and Tony Parker and him oh, and Manu Ginobili. Well, yeah. I know that, but I mean, I'm not comparing careers here. I'm comparing 07 them to 08 them. That's the, like, like obviously, Ray Allen had a better career than Manu. Tony, Paul Pierce had a better career than Tony. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying that, too. And and if we're taking player for player, it's still no contest, especially on the Ray Allen, Tony Parker end of things. Um, Because, like I said, Tony Parker didn't become Tony Parker until 2011 on. Like, he wasn't even... There was talks of Tony Parker going to the Knicks a lot in those early 2000 ranges, whereas Ray Allen solidified, Paul Pierce solidified, and KG, if you want to say player for player, Tim Duncan, KG, sure. Like, but it's close. You know what I mean? They're both – that power forward argument is still going, even though Timmy wins it. But, you know, Timmy might have been more clutch, but player for player, it's hard to choose between those two. And, I, you know, the smart choice is Duncan, but big three – I don't think it's a contest at all. That's a long-winded answer, but okay. no contest for me. Okay, we, we'll agree to disagree on that one. And we by the way, our, we by the way, always, by the way, always Celtics, one of the greatest regular season teams of all time. 
Um, so maybe it, now, you know, I'm supporting more so that they did start the super team era because that it's a legendary team. People say they uh, they milk their one ring. And I'm like, well, you know, only one team wins it. And if you win it, why wouldn't you talk about when you won it? You know what I mean? And by the way, that 09 team I've said on here before was on track to win it all or at least make it to the finals for sure back-to-back years then kg gets injured yeah, so i mean yeah. they went 66 and 16 and then the next year after they go 62 and 20 and then they lose in the semis i'm just i'm extremely shocked by your answer i can't lie shocked because i mean yeah tony parker and Genovia are great but man that's round and paul pierce in their in their primes maybe not especially ray maybe took a step back but man that would have been a good definitely, finals to definitely watch. much Definitely much better player than uh, than Tony Parker and 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 to say Ray and Ginobili are a wash is that what you said or did you say Pearson Pearson Ginobili a wash that one I can't I can't agree with that either and and Ginobili's definitely the more exciting player to watch but Pierce is clutch like man who's Pierce, not <laughs> man who is but man Pierce who's not got, clutch Pierce, Pierce got big shots Pierce got the one on one game Pierce went toe to toe with LeBron I know I I mean come on. I understand. I understand. And that's fine. We're, we're going to agree to disagree on this one there. I, that one's... That one's that, all right. LeBron, all right Wade, next? LeBron Wade Bosch, 2012-2013. Wade Curry... Oh, sorry, wait. Curry, Doraemon, Clay, 2016. Um, so you're getting probably the, the... Probably the Warriors. The say, you're, getting the, you're getting... And I, I think I would lead the Warriors too specifically because of the wade you got in that year. Well, like this thing about the 2013 team, he going a 27-game win streak. Yeah, they were, they were one of the greatest regular season teams since we're talking about that against the you greatest get, regular you, season team. But you, get yeah. one of the, you get one of the best LeBron versions of LeBron versus one of the best versions of Steph. The, definitely the, no, the best version of Steph, probably. Um, I would say the best version of Steph may have been this finals. It could have been. I think. I, mean, I think. Nobody, I think the way he, the his regular season though, it was averaging thirty points, six rebounds, or five rebounds, six assists, of 50, 45, 90, and literally listen, sitting out like sixteen fourth quarters. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. I'm gonna say the. I'm gonna say the version of Steph that got you to seventy three and nine is the best version of Steph. So. Well, I mean, I, you could that, argue that Mike wasn't the best in ninety six, but he got you to seventy two and ten. Yeah, but you could also argue that it was the best version. Yeah, but, no, I, would but say, I'm just I would saying, take I would take a mic with a little more athleticism. But I mean, see, think you with Curry, could take Curry, 92, 93. I'm just saying, Curry now he's is got, bigger, he's stronger. Plus, he obviously can shoot the exact same. He's like the handle's still there. Like that's why. But I, it's one of those. It's one of those where yeah, you could say that, but I remember with that 2016 season. Oh, I do. That had that had an energy to it. Unlike any other season before or since, Curry was special that season. I've where never been, felt that in a regular season ever in my lifetime. All right, so then, yeah, you can't tell me there's a better version of that because Steph was unreal that season, unreal. Well, there's not a better regular so, season, but I mean, also there's been a better playoff version of Steph. I'm trust me, this is I'm, I understand. I know Steph's career. I understand. I know. <laughs> but anyways. I, I, so I, I that's a hard one. I, you know, if I'm picking a version of the Heat Big Three, I pick 2011 because that's when all three are just like okay. Still well, scary. We can go 2011. Would you 
Would you pick the 2011 over the 2016? Actually, that one works even better because they both lost in the finals that year. So go 2011 to 2016. Because that you know you're getting peak. peak I'm gonna answer bold. I'm gonna answer bold. 2011, I'm taking the 2011 big three. Uh, Because the defense play were (laughs) even if they don't fit that that level of Wade and LeBron. Even though LeBron mentally wasn't 2013 LeBron yet, I'm still. I think if man, they would have they would have gave that Warriors team a hard time. Granted, you know what? I still think that. That's hard to say, because Dre that version of Draymond. Yeah, no, that Clay, was a forty. That was a forty percent from three. Draymond not afraid to take it. Draymond. That's tough. That's really tough. See, this is different because this is so different to me than the Spurs because I feel like Ginobili and especially Tony Parker are great because of Tim Duncan, more so Tony Parker than the other two. Whereas Pierce, every other player we're naming right here, Pierce, KG. Ray Allen, uh, Bron, Wade Bosch. Pretty much, I would say everybody but Draymond. Actually, and I would say the same thing. Clay, okay, Clay and Draymond are kind of the same thing. They kind of beneficiate from Curry, and Curry really is a beneficiary of Draymond too, in some ways. I'd say that too, and especially a that. Bit of Clay. Like, I mean, when you have yeah. that kind of gravitation to someone in the corner, it makes it easier to drive. When you know that. When you have quarters to where you have a guy who can drop thirty-seven, that does hold up though. <laughs> Go on, exactly. That's my that's my point. That's my point right there. Clay, the difference between Clay and Draymond versus Ginobili and Parker. Ginobili was explosive in his own right as an offensive player, but not nearly as explosive as Clay could be at his peak. Like this, Clay is in maybe two thousand eighteen, two thousand seventeen. Clay, like the next two versions of him, but. He's pretty much birthed, especially how much he got hot. And, he already dropped you know, thirty-seven and a quarter. This, that's this, true. This that's Clay true. already had dropped thirty-seven and a that's quarter, true. and then the so next year this. Clay put up sixty points and twenty on like eleven dribbles. So let me say this: This is probably the he's probably just as explosive, but not as consistent. I don't think his consistency was as yeah. as much in twenty sixteen, but definitely explosive. Uh, then we get Game Six, Clay and Draymond, and the defensive end is incredibly destructive, like way more than what you could say about Ginobili or Parker. So that kind of like I would putting this matchup together, whether it's 2013 or 2011. I've, 2013, that first half of Dwayne Wade before he really got hurt, and he was still great. He was still in All Star, won the ring, was a contributing factor. Yeah. Bosh, he's really starting to stretch his range out. Great defensive player, great two-way player. He really became like a defensive guy. Like he kind of did the KG. Not that KG couldn't play defense before, but KG more so focused on using every bit of his athleticism defensively. Chris Bosh did that same thing. Was like, you know what? I'm not the greatest defender, but I'm going to turn myself into a really good defender because I have the tools to be. Got the biggest rebound of all time, arguably in Game Six of that year. So the biggest rebound of all time. (laughs) So you get. A version of LeBron who could straight up clamp up Curry if you wanted. That's so. If these teams happen to meet in the finals, whether it's eleven or thirteen, especially thirteen, that version of LeBron and Curry, that's an exciting matchup because they would. They'd be like, "Hey, Wade or LeBron, take your turn on them," and uh, it would be extremely hard for Curry to do what he did to the rest of the league. Other side of that, though, any version of LeBron versus this Draymond Green. Draymond's at least giving him problems. He's not stopping LeBron, 
I mean, 2011. He gave him, he gave him a little bit of problems in that finals anyway. I mean, you have to think that he got. I mean, you have to think that obviously LeBron was a better shooter. LeBron was, I think, a more consistent shooter in 2016. Because, like, LeBron was hot from three that year, but LeBron went through hot spells. I think he became more of a consistent shooter the later he's grown. But, um, yeah, he's not, he's a more consistent shooter now. 13's one of his great shooting seasons. Yeah, I was going to say, I think he almost dropped 40. I think it was 40% from three that year. Yeah, it was. It was a random spike of like 40% from three that year. Like, he was, LeBron was that year was different. Oh, goodness. This one's a toss up for me. It really is. This one would be, I would love to see this in seven. Especially because you go you go down two, you would have had like Shane Battier, Mike Miller, Mario Chalmers, and you would have had Iggy, you would have had uh, Sean Livingston, you would have had uh, Andrew Bogut, you, like it, like the depth of the teams, even two going down to their eighth. Obviously, the Warriors' depth was a little better; they literally were strength in numbers, but still, the Heat had perfect depth around them, and they had Ray Allen. Let me, let me not not mention Ray. And that's twenty thirteen. It's really a toss-up, and it's hard because the versions of LeBron the Warriors met in the finals weren't far off from this version of LeBron. You know, not, yeah. not really at all. Um, just a little bit more athletic, it. but a little less consistent shooting. This was LeBron back in 13. And I would say specifically the playoffs, because again, the regular season is what that just yeah, stats that, wise, yeah, that's stats his best, that's probably his best overall shooting season, field goal, and three points. It is. It's 56 um, from the floor, 40 from three. And yeah, he was, eight and seven. Uh, he was a damn near perfect player. Uh, I prefer the 2018 version of LeBron. Sound like a basketball nerd here, but I prefer 18. But 13 is right there. Uh, whereas 16 Curry's right there too. I'm leaning towards the Heat though. But the thing is, thing is, the Warriors are so well constructed and well coached hypothetically in any situation that they would be able to compete with this Heat team. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's hard. And they were there, you know. I mean. You got to figure that 14, they weren't them yet, especially Draymond. Curry's really coming into his own around 13, 14. Uh-huh. But I mean, like, they were all, they all intersected. They really did. And uh, so they even, you got to, oh my goodness. I tend to give it, I just, I give it slightly a nod because of who Bosch and Wade were at the time. They were just more, they were more true, solidified. They were, they were true, so like, we're talking about with uh, Paul Pierce being a franchise guy and Ray Allen being a franchise guy. Those were two legitimate just franchise guys. Like, I mean, Chris Bosh was 26 and 10, and Wade I mean, put I up say, a 30.7 rebound, five, or 7.5 assists, 5 rebound season. In like I 08. say that. I say that. And then the, the wild card here really is Draymond because it's, like I said, it's probably the. He it's the guard, best statistical. He, he guard one through five, like easy at that point. Like it wasn't a challenge for him to guard anybody on the floor. And you're right. I'll say this. You're right. Yeah, Curry's stronger now and can shoot just as well. And in a vacuum, could he do what 2016 Curry did? Sure. That Curry was just like jaw dropping. It was a shock. Especially if you especially if you add the Oracle crowd, like there, it was just, it was a moment in time, that specific Seth Curry. Well, like it was. Really- I mean, you have to think the 46 point game with a 40 footer against the thunder, like, like, um, I think it was April 16th was one or April 15th. One of the greatest regular season days. You have the warriors going 73 and nine Curry putting up 45 and a flurry, literally three hours away. You've got Kobe dropping 60 like that, like that game, Going that day was great because you had I went back and forth through those games like I watched every pivotal point of both games. It was 
It was amazing. Yeah, that team caused me the seventy three and nine Warriors caused me shoe because I don't know why we made that bet, but yeah. Well, because I, you thought that they weren't gonna do it. I was confident. I was confident. Well, well they started like twenty six and one. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go with it. But yeah, this is hard because again, the wild cards Draymond because Clay solidified. I say they weren't solidified, but they all solidified themselves that 2016 season. Curry goes from a superstar to super duper star. To a LeBron versus Curry argument, right? Yeah. And then Dray- I've never Draymond. seen someone with that much confidence in a season. Like, like if you yeah, walk, no, go through the games, just watching it, like he just he dropped twenty point quarters, like it was nothing. Like it was like I'm bored. Like I guess I'll go put up twenty six in the first against the Wizards. Like <laughs> I guess I it was, was, was crazy. It was MJ esque. Um, <sighs> Draymond is this. As top tier, I won't say as good, but as top tier as a defensive player you can get that year. Complimentary player even. Uh, like, really, yeah. As top tier as a complimentary, complimentary player as you can be. Elite defense and elite playmaking. And, you know, his athleticism might not be like where you say a prime LeBron or Wade is. But it's, it's elite athleticism in a different way. Because like Keenan said, he guard one through five. Uh, can body a big and still stay with a... Uh, the point guard and and fly up and down the court too like he could push the rock mm-hmm. that's why that team was so dangerous because you had stat you had draymond holding point and then you had clay and steph on the wings and then you had an athletic andre iguodala coming down for a lob or you had bogut or livingston or whomever trailing so it was like what are you going to do with them on the break this is tough, and I feel like we're spending too much time on each of these teams. But at the same time, it's, we're not. it's hard. These are two I of the greatest. These are like we have. We're talking about two like a four year run of the Heat, which was amazing, and then we're talking now about like a seven year run of the Warriors. It's been amazing, so it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Hmm. 2013 Heat won the ring. 2016 Heat did not, or sorry, 2016 Warriors did not. But it took every single thing to beat them. Like they literally had to be killed off. One of my favorite things about to say about a champion can't can't just beat them. You got to kill them. You got to kill them off. And the Cavs had to every bit of kill the Warriors to get that ring. And it came down to the last seconds of the game. Like it, like it wasn't like a exactly. game. It like took, it came took literally took every second of the NBA season to get the Warriors out of here. Uh, took took LeBron's best play of his career to get them out of here. Right. And then uh, to, and then for the thirteen Heat to win, it literally took. Every single bit of them to win that game. It took, obviously, arguably the greatest shot in NBA history, and then LeBron's one of his best games ever, thirty-seven and twelve in Game Seven. When I'm only picking, I'm only picking big threes, and I can put whoever I want around them. Damn! In that case, if I'm putting it like that, I still don't see how the hell you pick the Spurs. Like that one, I'm never going to understand that one. But if I'm putting any core I want around this big three. It really is a fucking toss-up, but it's hard because, like, I that, literally one second want to say the Heat, and then the next second say the Warriors same. because the Warriors complement each other so well. But at the same time, the Heat can play defense against anybody. Yeah, I was, I was can't necessarily thing, do that with the Warriors. The one thing that we were talking, like, the Warriors were such a well-constructed team that they fit so perfectly together that it's literally like pieces to a puzzle. Though he aren't pieces to a puzzle, they're just individual pieces like puzzles that are you, you put together, you can make it into something great. Like the but they fit well, they like, did fit well. Oh, they did. They fit well. I was gonna say they fit 
they did fit well because they were the thing with Wade, Bosch, and LeBron. Bosch doesn't get enough credit for this. They're all very unselfish. Like they're all unselfish players. So they they were able to actually show that. But the thing about the, or especially the early Heat teams, is when they wanted to clamp you, they would just guard you full court. Like that, they had that like a little bit of like the old bulls to them, where they would take you full court and just clamp you because Wade and LeBron were so athletic. Oh my god, that's so tough. I'm gonna lean. <laughs> I'm gonna give the Heat the edge, but like very slightly, very, I'm, very. very I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean the Heat, and this is a very hard decision for me. But the, I was just putting that was the first one I wrote down too. I want I'm not to, nearly as confident in that as I was the Celtics one. Celtics. That's, and, okay. And then I did not think that was going to take this long. Did you want to do one more or did you want to? Yeah, give me another trio. Give me another trio. Then we'll go to duels. Um, Actually, I didn't have another. Uh, actually, I did have one more trio. My trio was 85 Bird, Parrish, McHale, 86 Kareem, Magic, Worthy. Uh, that's. I mean, that's hard to do because we weren't alive for that. See, that's what I was thinking too, but that was just thinking about it, because like that's the best Celtics team, arguably of all time, and then or probably the best Celtics of that big three, and then the eighty six, eighty seven Lakers were like the greatest, like those two. That's right. Yeah, you said eighty five Celtics. I think they they usually say eighty six, and then they got the wall. Sorry, it was eighty five, eighty six, and then the eighty six, eighty seven. Sorry, when I said eighty five, I meant the eighty five, eighty six. Those are really toss up. I know Magic gets the nod because you got five rings to birds three but if you play the the 80s out any sort of way that could have easily been bird with five rings there's no way magic and bird don't get multiple rings we'll say that so i mean bird won three i mean bird you could argue was the best player in the league at that time he won three straight mvps like it yeah like for for good reason i mean he was putting up 20 he was putting up 30 10 and six like what we will say i will say uh, like I said, we weren't there for it, but still, still in all, Bird and Magic are two of my favorite players of all time, even though I wasn't there for them. And it part of it's probably the Celtics fan of me and just how much of a fan of Larry Bird's game I am. You're a fan of but, basketball, so it's just because you weren't there. I mean, you do all the research on it. It's not like you don't know about these players. True. But when I watch his highlights, maybe this is what offends me so much, but like when I see people do like their top tens now, like, Magic will be towards the top five or top three, and people got birds trailing, like trending towards the end of the top ten. And to me, you can't have one without the other. Even though Magic does have more rings, but they're literally not the same player, but they had the same approach to basketball as far as being unselfish. But Bird man, doesn't Bird get is- as much credit for as like gifted of an all-time great passer as he was. Like he wasn't Magic, but He's as if good Magic's as a passer as LeBron and like everybody else. Like, like, if Magic's a hundred at passing, which he is, he's the best passer of all time. Bird's like a ninety-eight or ninety-nine. Okay, yeah, it was gonna say it's and, like if you want to say Stockton just because of the numbers, but Bird made better passes than Stockton. I would like it's hard to like Stockton just made such like every okay. right pass. How I said, how I said, Ginobili's one of the best pure passers ever, even though his stats are probably he's probably like four assists a game or something like that. But I think Ginobili's one of the best pure passers. Bird's probably at like five or six assists a game. Yeah, he's but six. like I said, what he's just as creative, not just as, but very close. One of the he most does. creative passers of all time, I right there almost, on the court. You could argue he's almost as creative. As, like he was, he was like right <laughs> there. <laughs> like this. he's on the court, right? So 
I'll try to answer this quickly. So you got Bird, who's just you. In my opinion, you put him in any era, he's destructive on offense. Given the passer that he is, given the shooter that he is, he'd be better today than he was then. And he put up thirty. He was putting up twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty thirty. Like he would be better today. And yeah, and he's still doing that then. So like, of course, like yeah. And everyone who's like, oh, but the athleticism, then. Tell me how Luca and Jokic are doing it in this era. If, you say, know, what I mean? like Larry Bird is like a mixture of Luca and Jokic if you put them together. Like, and he's a true, he's a true six nine, six ten too. So he, say, he's literally just like if you put Luca and Jokic together, like that's pretty much what Larry Bird is. That's 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 a great way of putting it. And so Mikhail, people say he's the best post player of all time. Him and Akeem. So you got him. You got Parrish, who's a. Uh, Hall of Fame center who can run the floor well, play great defense, complimentary player. Worthy, who could have been a star on his own team as well, kind of like Mikhail could have been. He's number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, he might have been number two fact, at that point, depending. Fun fact, fun fact, you know who could have been in Worthy's spot? Who? I'll give you one guess, and then I'll give you the answer. Um, meaning? They could have drafted him. He could have been. He could have been worthy spot. Barkley, no, no, kind of. oh, no, that would, worthy would have been eighty two. It would have been eighty two. So in the eighty two draft, I think worthy came out a year before MJ. Yeah. Uh, or yeah, you're right. I think he did come out after that. Yeah. Eighty two. I'm looking right now. So when when he, uh, I don't know. I really don't. Dominique Wilkins. Oh, that would have been nasty. Imagine magic Showtime with Dominique. That would have been true showtime. That would have that been, that been uh, what Chris Paul and Blake Griffin were on steroids. <laughs> on crack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh, my goodness. I did so, not know that. So, yeah, they got Worthy. You're prototypical, like, slashing three. He can score. He can do whatever. Kareem. And you said 86, so it's past his prime Kareem, but still productive. 17 and, then, and 7, Kareem. And James Worthy that year is 20 and 25 and 4. 20 points, so 5 rebounds, 4 assists. Got the that. greatest front line at their prime versus a prime magic, prime worthy, and end of prime Kareem. I don't know. People know more than me who was more effective, whether it's Kareem or Parrish. They're probably around the same stats at that point, but Kareem's probably, you get the edge because I mean, he's an all time lead scorer. That's another toss up for me. I'm just going to lean Celtics just because I'm a Celtics fan. I'm going to give it that, especially since they're all probably in their prime there. Like, I think Mikhail's next season, 87, is like his best year. And Bird, Bird's 87 is a disgusting stat line, I believe. It, they, but, like, uh, it's weird because like Bird's – Larry Bird won three straight MVPs in the year after his MVP might have been his best year, like statistically. Because he won MVP when he put up twenty eight point seven, then twenty five point eight, then twenty eight point one. Then next year he puts up a he puts up thirty nine and six off fifty two percent and forty one percent from three. So like you argue like he arguably could have just won it that year, but that was the year that the Lakers just stole like it was showtime all over the place. So Magic, I believe, won it that year. It's the most fucking basketball nerd podcast we've ever done, I think. I, I but don't care. That's what we are. I'm, not, just... no, I'm not saying the rock. I think it definitely is. Oh, but, yeah. but, damn, that's hard. It really is hard because it could go either way. I'm going to lean Celtics, but it could really go either way. Because, again, either one of those teams could have been the other. One of them could have got – they could have easily went four and four. They went five and three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They went two. And, uh, Magic Bird. went two and one against Bird in the finals. So like, but it easily could have gone the other way. Like it wasn't like every series was a wash. So I can't give either one the edge. I'm just gonna pick the Celtics because I'm a Celtics fan. So Whereas I'll pick the Lakers because right, I'm in the same. Bo- I'm in the same boat as you because going through, I'll pick the Lakers. I'll be that guy. That's, that's I think something make more sense only because of where Kareem is. But like I said, he's still the greatest scorer of all time, technically. So at that point, all-time lead scorer. So, you know, as even if he's diminished, he's still – he won the finals MVP in, I think, 85 or some shit like that. So it's yeah. – uh, who knows? So, yeah, Celtics. But anyway, go on. Go on to the next one. I don't know if you got duos or what you got. Um, do you, so you want to do one – I was – do you want to do one more? Absolutely. Let's okay. do one more. Shaq you want to wrap it up after? Like, yeah, I was going to say, I was planning on wrapping it up after this one. We've been on here for a minute. So the last <laughs> one ahead. last one I have is Shaq and Kobe or Mike and Pippen. I had a feeling you were going to go there. This one's hard because I, all right, I think Mike and Scotty have to be the greatest duo of all time. They got six. Like The more, the more I see six-time NBA champion – it's it's so true. Michael does not win six without Scotty. I think Mike might get three rings regardless in his career, right? Um, because you kind of put the over under. If you put the over under at LeBron's career, like at the beginning, you say three and a half or four for LeBron for rings. Yep. If you do it after Jordan's rookie year, like after he kind of surprised everybody, because yeah, he was a top three pick, but it was Hakeem was the prize, right? Well, yeah. Then Jordan, and Jordan immediately. In his rookie year. <laughs> then Jordan immediately becomes a top five, top ten player after his rookie year. I think his game I think game three dropped forty. Like something like that. It was like it's something just ridiculous. I think by game ten he dropped fifty. And it was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so, it like, all right, okay. All right. So all right, after Mike. after his rookie season when Bird and Magic, I believe, already have a couple rings at that point, you'd probably yeah, you'd probably put the over under at three for MJ. And then he gets Pippen. They get six. Mm-hmm. It's you. All right, MJ and Scotty are the greatest duo of all time. Period. You can't. Mike doesn't get the six without Scotty. And yeah, Scotty needs to move up on the all-time list, especially when people. If we can throw people like Draymond in the Hall of Fame, like if we're gonna say Draymond's our first ballot Hall of Famer, when he's not a Hall of Fame talent per se, and Pippen. Pippen's the blueprint for your Paul Georges, your Kawhis, all that, and had handled a little bit of your LeBron too. Yeah, no, I mean, he's different, original. but like a little bit of your LeBron. I mean, he was twenty-two nine and six. If Bird's the first point forward, or maybe some would say Rick Barry, which or, is some more nerd shit to say, but like if Bird's one of the first point forwards, Pippen's the first modern point forward because Bird did a lot of his shit in the post, right? Him and Grant Pippen, Hill. Him and Grant Hill are a lot like what LeBron were LeBron before LeBron. Uh, and yeah, man, Pippen is like, I don't know if there's a more underrated player in NBA history than Scotty Pippen. I'll just say that Shaq and Kobe though, Shaq and Kobe, like I don't even Shaq and Kobe, you had Shaq and fucking Kobe on the same team. That's all I can say. And after that 2000, 2000 season where Shaq had his best season ever, right? Yeah, was say he was everything. the MVP, Finals MVP, All Star Game MVP. Um, did whatever he wanted to. He put up t- thirty 
14 with three blocks and four assists doing whatever he wanted to. Yeah. Shaq was <clears throat> Shaq was scary. There's no other way to put it. There was no beating Shaq. And then you had, especially after the 2000 season, Kobe just makes the leap, goes to 28 a game in 01. Mm-hmm. And you have the best player in the league in Shaq. And then you have the arguably because there was other arguments at the time. You got T Mac there. You got Allen Iverson there. You got Vince Carter. But you got you got to give the nod to the champion. And Kobe had the complete arsenal. Could arguably the best perimeter player to go with Shaq. It's hard. So you got a guy who can give you sixty. On, you have two guys who can give you sixty on any given night. Whereas with Jordan Pippen, only one can give you sixty on a given night. But. Both can give you a triple-double. And both can give you elite defense. Neither one are guarding Shaq, right? Yeah. Play this game. Uh, so, yes, feel- Mike and Scotty are the greatest duo, but <laughs> Shaq and Kobe's the scariest duo. There's like, what do you do to defend Shaq and Kobe? You can't. You cannot. You can't. And you get elite defense. Like, I can't emphasize it enough. There's nothing you can do with Shaq and Kobe. Not a thing. Like after after and if they, after their second retire, oh, go on, you go. Last thing, only thing, and then you can go. If they stay together, if they don't get in their feud, and people want to make it act like they didn't hate each other, they fucking hate each other's guts. And hey, it's in Kobe, both. Show me how my ass. <laughs> they hated each other. They they repaired it before Kobe passed, thankfully. Yeah. But they hated each other. Okay. Yeah. Had they not hated each other, and they just wrote it out and had no ego, like. These Warriors teams, they probably win fucking eight rings. Okay. They probably, there's no way they don't. I was just I, about like, to say the over under on Mike, as you said, probably was Scotty. Like the, after Mike's second with Scotty, you would have probably put the over under. I don't know if you would have put it at six. Probably put it at four and a half. Probably put it at four and a half. You put the over under with Shaq and Kobe at five and a half after that 01, after they lost to the, the I mean, they beat the Sixers. I'll say this about both duos. Who was beating both duos? Both duos are like the only modern teams to three P. I think it's only them and you know, we let off with Bill Russell, Bill Russell Celtics. I think those are the only teams in NBA history to ever three P, which shows you how hard it is. Yes. I mean that includes the Warriors with K D, right? So that's a tough answer. I think I think I oh I said it. The greatest duo is Scotty and Mike, but the scariest duo is still Shaq and Kobe. Uh, so I'm picking Shaq and Kobe if we're just talking. I can surround them with anybody. And again, Jordan Pippen's close. That's close now because, again, they can lock up anybody and you're getting whatever scoring you can out of Mike. Like Mike can score. Mike's, getting, Mike's as good of a score, better scorer than Kobe. Just as explosive as Kobe, right? Yeah. And Pippen just as, as arguably the best perimeter defender of all time and could get you buckets still. Just because it was probably around 22, 19 a game, it could have been 25. Just didn't need to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, playmaking, he, he would have guarded Kobe. Obviously, Kobe and Jordan, or sorry, Kobe, sorry, Jordan and Pippen would not have guarded Shaq. Each would have took their turns on Kobe and yes. would have gave fits. Oh, yeah. Um, um, but... I think my answer is Shaq and Kobe. I think my answer is Shaq and Kobe too because for as Michael Jordan's um, Michael Jordan's arguably the greatest player of all time, Shaq's not in that argument. 
Shaq over those three years where they were winning their three-peat is up with any player ever. There yep. is not a play like, like you He's, can't look matter at matter of fact, that, that those three years of Shaq's got a better argument against Prime Mike than a and, lot of players. Than anybody maybe ever. Not brought up enough in those three years. Thir- of Shaq. I was going to say, I've been 36 points, 17 rebounds over three straight NBA finals. Like, this is like. That's, that's his cumulative stats over three NBA finals. Over three NBA finals, 36 and 17. Yeah, and you kicking it out to Kobe. Yeah, that's the duel. That's like, a duel. That's I, a I have to, I'd have to take Shaq and Kobe. Even with and how what? great Mike is, Mike is. I don't know if Mike's better than that Shaq. I don't, I don't know. Like, because that Shaq could run and move and play defense too. I don't know if he's better than that Shaq. He's as okay. Shaq's he's the most as down. good. I'm not saying, but he just. I'm not sure if he's like better. Like that was the thing about Mike. He was just. Here's the only thing with Shaq. Here's the only hamstring with Shaq, and this is where Kobe picks him up. Obviously, is the last four minutes of the game you can't put Shaq at the line, whereas you can with Pippen, Jordan, and Kobe. Uh-huh. And that's where Kobe. That's where it makes it lethal. Is, Okay, Kobe comes in to pick up the slack, right? Yeah, and that's why that duel was so great because like Kobe was that guy. <laughs> like, if you're, he if was you're adding that a trio, though, if you're adding a trio, and you get Rodman, who and you'd have to add probably you have to you track. have to argue Fisher or um, Ori, probably. Yeah, probably Ori. Probably just, be yeah, or, probably Ori. Two thousand, unless it's if it's two thousand. Glenn Rice would be their third. Yeah. Glenn, Glenn Rice is he could actually night. he could play. He could actually He's play. A score, score, all star level player that went to the Lakers that year. So yeah, I mean that's he, a tough he, team. To he, beat. he could play. Bulls Rodman could guard Magic Shaq. And here's the thing about Shaq. He did guard Magic Shaq too. Like <laughs> just, thing about Shaq before his rings, he got swept. I think four times. Yeah, which is three or four times. Yeah. Uh. Mike not all first round, not all first round, but he was swept four times. Like people say about, and I don't, again, I want to take too long, but people talk about how like, oh, Jordan didn't beat any crazy teams. Like he beat the Jazz for his last ring, right? Well, those Jazz, they beat a very talented Lakers squad, right? Like they swept that Lakers squad. And it was Shaq, young Kobe. Yes, it's young Kobe. All star Kobe though. Eddie Jones. Who I believe was an all-star too, and Nick Van Exel, who was nice. Like that's a more talent. That's a more talented team than any of their championship teams, really. That even though they had a lot of talent on that 2000 team, or the 2000 teams were more well-rounded, but those late 90s Lakers teams, <laughs> Hoopers, like those four: Eddie Jones, Kobe, Shaq, and Nick Van Exel. Like that's a lot of talent right there. Of course, um, yeah. And that's kind of the parallels both of those Phil Jackson teams have is, again, there's not a lot of talent around Colby and Shaq on those 3 P teams besides the 2001. And then the late 90s Bulls, 96, 97, 98, not a lot of talent on those teams outside of Jordan and Pippen. And then defensively, Rodman. Um, Shaq's a hard one because, again, he's he was incredibly do- – that yeah, that version of Shaq absolutely could go toe-to-toe with Mike. And the duo you would take to go around to beat them – if we're not going just positions, would be Jordan Pippen. Because, again, they got six, and they would figure it out, especially if you give them Rodman. So if you give them an elite center to at least make Shaq work, because you're not going to stop Shaq. There's not – literally the only person who might be able to stop him is Bill Russell because he stopped the earlier version of Shaq. <laughs> and I'm sorry. 
I don't know if he's doing it. I just don't know. No. And okay. maybe Kareem Kareem maybe could play a little defense on Shaq too. Uh, and maybe even Will. And Will, Hakeem, you know, Hakeem could have done Hakeem, a little bit because Hakeem you, did. I mean, not that Shaq, but you know, like Magic Shaq. Hakeem did. Keep in mind, I called Duncan a perfect post player earlier, post defensive player too. And Shaq ran through him and David Robinson when he wanted. So, I mean, Shaq would have been extremely hard to beat. I'm leaning towards Shaq and Kobe, but you take a Jordan Pippen and whoever you surround them with Phil. It'd be Phil coaching Phil if we're keeping coaches. Yeah. But. So that's a watch. Yeah. Shaq is those those like those highlights you could put like horror music behind them because that's how like dangerous he was. I can't imagine what it was like to carve that Shaq. Yeah, no, it that must, was... Every center or whoever was matched up against him must have been in pain the next day. It must have been like a football game. Yes. And the last thing I want to say before we bow out is this. We started we started really the NBA talk with Bill Russell. We're gonna end it with Bill Russell. Kyle okay. and I were playing two K I think maybe eleven. Two K eleven. You had a two K story? Two K eleven. We were talking about Shaq versus Bill Russell. Shaq Shaq does a drop step, gonna punch on whoever. Bill Russell comes over, pins Shaq meets Shaq at the rim and throws it away. I'm just saying Bill Russell could have defended him. <laughs> I like how your example for that is 2K. I like how you described that like it was a true like play that you saw in real life. Um, but yeah, it was one of those. I think anybody who games has specific dumb-ass memories of like either crazy plays they saw or the stupidest plays they seen in like Madden 2K. I'm telling you, that, that, definitely because I remember what you're talking about. Because I remember we we replayed the shit like 30 no, times because it, it looked was, real. It because hilarious. it was literally it like was a, a sick block, but like it was hilarious. I was gonna say because it, it looked real. It was literally like the Shaq drop step animation dunk that never never gets blocked. And then Bill and Russell, Russell comes over. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna put my. Head. It kind of reminded like people to put it in like a modern day picture. The block that Bam had on Jason Tatum in the bubble was kind of what it looked like. His hand was bent back a little bit, met him at the rim, and just said no. <laughs> Elite video game block right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, we're not going to probably, but we could honestly have a 45-minute 2K pod about all the good and the bad that's happened. <laughs> that's been our series that we've had. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. We really could. All right. <sighs> Let's get out of it. Actually, I got... I don't know if you want to save music because they're quick questions, but I feel like we could still drag it out to 10 minutes. But you said you, ha- what do you think of Drake's album? You said you did listen to the dance Drake album. Yeah. I'm, I don't have to drag this one out. I think so. I didn't want to listen to it. I was never in the mindset to listen to it. I think that this album is now about five out of 10. It's nothing great. It's a dance album. Obviously that if it was out and you heard it, the beat of the music would be fine. The standout tracks for me on it would be uh, Jimmy Cook's Pretty Soft. That was a good song. Obviously, you really like it. It was on your top 12. Text Go Green, solid. And then the uh, Sticky, I feel like could have been a good, a better song if it wasn't over that beat. It's like he's rapping, but it just doesn't feel like he should be over that beat. But everything else was just like, this is fine. Like, I like Beyonce. Like, Beyonce did the same thing. I like Beyonce's more. That was my next question. I like Beyonce's a little bit more. Like, I don't think Beyonce's is great because it's not, like, for me. Like, that's not the kind of music that I listen to all the time. But 
Like, I hate, I realize that I don't like Drake when he goes full falsetto. Like, I just don't like his voice. I don't think there's a good tone to it. I just don't like the sound of it. But obviously, Beyonce can just sing. So, like, that, like, I think, because when it comes down to it, you're making music that you sing, and I like Beyonce's voice more, and that's, I think, what it comes down to. I've but, had Drake's... Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, that's just why I think I would lean Beyonce's album a little bit more than uh, Drake's album. But overall, I think both of them are... Do, are there good albums to do what they're supposed to do? For me, they're about five, six out of ten because this is not the music that I listen to. I'll say Drake's songs off his dance album have his songs have come up a little more on some of my random playlists, like my daily playlist that Spotify has, mm-hmm. and they've come up and I've let them play just to see how they are. Like especially the ones, like you said, the text Cold Green. It's not one I go back to, but it's one. Like, I think I said it on here that when I hear it, I could hear it on other Drake albums, right? Sticky, I like. Obviously, Jimmy Cooks. And then Liability is probably my second favorite song off that album, next to Jimmy Cooks, right? Uh, yeah, the other ones that I don't, that I do not listen to, they've come up on playlists and they're cool to listen to, but I'm, they haven't caught me like, oh shit, I'm going to go back to it, which happens a lot on other albums. So they sound good. They sound okay. They sound, they don't sound out of place on certain mixes. And uh, I'm sure it sounds good out. I actually really haven't heard this album out. But yeah, it's nothing. My opinion hasn't changed too much on it since. Uh, I haven't really listened to Beyonce's album at all. I skimmed through it that night, very late, obviously. And I, then I went to bed, meant to go back to it, have not got back to it. Um, shouts to Killer K, but the most dramatic comment I saw about the Beyonce album was. This Beyonce album is so good, I want to die. And I laughed endlessly about it. Shouts to Killer K again. She's a big Beyonce fan. Uh, but that's the most dramatic thing I've heard about any album ever. And that's saying a lot. So good, I want to die. I fucking laughed at that shit for like 10 minutes. No, the, but the, 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 I love Beyonce. Beyonce fans, is... Beyonce fans are a special breed. I'll say that. No, the Beehive, the, the is, beehive crazy. is scary. The beehive is the beehive is a wild place. Like as I say, Justin B, the believers are crazy people. Like they're they're but the be the beehive, they go strong and they are a wild bunch. <laughs> and the barbs, the barbs. The bar- too, the barbs oh, oh, I was gonna say Nikki does have a crew behind her. Are uh, you got anything else? Uh no, I am all good. This was longer than I expected it to be, but I think it's because we've again we're back on back off of vacation. Yeah, Andy, you threw me NBA nerd topics that I was obviously gonna fucking over dissect. So of course, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to our next one. Maybe we'll talk some football, maybe some Patriots, maybe some Deshaun Watson, some of that. Who who knows what else will happen in this last week? I was going to say, for sure, I mean, coming up to the season, we're going to have a bunch of NFL coming up because I'm going to release my predictions at some point because I go through, I actually go through every game now and did I did it last year. I'm doing it again this year. I'm ready for the NFL season and I can't wait to do season predictions in about four weeks here, probably. Yeah. So can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Warner Brothers podcast. We're out of here. Rest in peace, Bill Russell. Rest in peace to the great Vince Scully. Rest in peace, Mandy. We're out of here.